Raise a glass, you've made it another year Happy birthday Have a laugh, crack a smile, even shed a tear Because it's your birthday Welcome to another very special episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Dan Bentley here and Tracy Newman. And as you can tell by that intro song, we're very excited to be celebrating our one-year birthday at the Innovate for Impact podcast. How cool is that? We made it to our first birthday. So exciting. It feels like it's gone like so quick. I feel like we've been doing this for like six months or something. It was it came up on the podcasting software that we did that it's been going for that long and we're like, really? Is that right? <laughs> Had to go back and check the dates. But it is. I think we've recorded something like 54 episodes or something like that at that point. So uh, yeah, you know, it checks out. When we first started out, like that was our big goal and we're here. So it's so great to be here. Yeah, and uh, for everybody that's on our mailing list who we sent an email out to about this, thanks for all of the lovely messages that came back. We obviously get to see the numbers of who listens to this podcast every week. And, you know, you're all over the world now too, which is pretty exciting. When we started this off, we were really thinking about Australia, but I think we're like regularly in the, at the top of the charts in South Korea. We do pretty well in some of the Western European uh, countries as well. So thanks to all of our listeners all around the world who are tuning in every week to, to listen. And, and thank you to those of you that sent through those lovely messages. Um, like I was just sort of saying, it, it's so nice to be able to sort of put a, a name and, 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 and who you are to some of those numbers that we see every week. So, and, and the impact that this is having on you as well. Every time somebody talks to me and says, hey, I've been listening to your podcast, I'm overwhelmed because it's so exciting that that people are really beginning to get some value out of the content that we're sharing. And, you know, we've been so fortunate. We've had some fantastic guests and they've been so generous in their sharing. I feel like in the last 12 months, I have accelerated my learning exponentially just through some of these really inspiring conversations that we've been having. So I feel really fortunate to be here. Likewise. All right. Today's episode. Hmm. What are we talking about? Well, we had a really successful episode recently, which was the episode that was titled An Introduction to Systems Thinking. This is something that we, we talk about a lot, but we hadn't done an episode on it before. And we recorded this episode and, and, and within like three weeks, it's become one of our most popular episodes. So we thought, let's keep uh, going down that track. It seems like it's definitely something that you're all interested in hearing more about. So we're not going to necessarily talk directly about systems thinking, but we are going to talk to you about today's collective impact. Yeah, which is a really uh, powerful way to bring some of that system change to the forefront. So yeah, and it just ties in so well with a lot of the different concepts that we've been talking about. So I'm, I'm really, really, really keen for this episode today as well. Yeah, so let's give everybody a little bit of an understanding, first of all, before we get into the five different parts of what collective impact sort of makes up. What is this and and how it's used and those sorts of things. So I guess the idea of collective impact was sort of created when we started to look at a lot of social problems being, you know, complex, you know, system-orientated type problems, wicked problems, those sorts of things. And Looking at these problems and understanding that in a lot of cases, not one organization in one sector can solve this on their own. And that's that's essentially where this all comes from. Having that understanding that that's the case in, in, in a lot of different problems, that to solve these things, we need to bring organizations together with a common goal from multiple sectors and different players within those sectors as well. 
So quite often when you see a collective impact approach, it'll have not-for-profit type organizations. It may have commercial organizations and it may have multiple different types of organizations within those different sectors and might even have local government, council, those sorts of things involved in this approach as well. What it's essentially doing is, is it's sort of saying that not one of us can solve this by ourselves, but together, if we have this shared vision and we work together on this, then maybe we can all solve this together. Yeah, I love it because we know that with collaboration, magic happens. And this is just a way of, you know, being able to facilitate that collaboration and making sure that we've sort of set that collaboration up for success. And it's a, I, I find it's a really powerful approach. I guess you can sort of see here why this actually ties into systems thinking, because this is a great way to work within systemic problems. It is a, a way of you know, understanding that system. And that's often one of the first points when you are taking a collective impact approach is understanding, well, who else is out there trying to solve this problem? We had a great episode, geez, it's a while ago now, but we'll link it in the show notes for you so you can easily find it. But it was with David Pearson from the Australian Alliance to End Homelessness. And that, that's a great example of a collective impact approach where he has, um, you know, him and his team have, have got a whole heap of different organizations and, and players from, from across different sectors and they've created this alliance to, to really have the shared goal of ending homelessness in Australia. That, that's just one example. And if you, if you want to go into more detail of that, then have a quick listen to that episode because it's a really good one. But there are uh, five elements that make up a successful collective impact approach. So what do you reckon, Trace? Do you reckon we're ready to go into it? We don't need to spend any more time on the definition. Yeah. So the first one uh, is all about having that common agenda so that we have that shared mission that everybody's out to achieve together. And Dan gave a great example of what that could look like with ending homelessness. So, you know, there's that shared and common agenda, that perspective that we're, we're all bringing to the table. We may have different ways of working within that part of the system that we're looking to change, but we've all got to have that common agenda as in, you know, what's that mission? What's that exciting goal that we're all out here together to achieve? To further that as well, it's really important as well to have a shared agreement on how you're going to solve that as a group too, because this is about moving forward together towards that goal. And so you need to sort of find those organizations that have got a vested interest in solving that same problem, but then also do some work and collaborating up front to sort of get really clear on, well, what is that definition of the problem? Can we get a shared understanding of what it truly is by getting us all together and sharing our experiences and bringing in people with lived experience in those discussions to share their experiences with all of us so that we can really get an understanding of a 360 degree view of what that real problem is. And then once you've got that, you know, it's really easy for us to go like, well, this is the way that we need to move forward. And getting that buy-in and agreement across all those organizations means that you can be fueling that ship and driving it all in that same direction rather than, you know, lots of little tugboats going off in different directions. It's not as, not as effective and not as quick. Absolutely. Yep. You've got to remember as well that when we talk about mission-focused in some of our other episodes and some of our work is that mission-focused is also that fuel for innovation. So getting really clear on this up front, getting everybody bought into it and being like really focused on what it is you're out to achieve is going to fuel this collaboration between the multiple organizations together. It's going to be that glue that holds everything together. It's going to be that fuel that keeps helping you move forward. That's why this is so, so important and often a very good starting point as well. It's number one, but they're not necessarily in order, but this is often the starting point is that why. And sometimes when we collaborate, we sometimes think 
everybody is going to be on board and everybody is thinking the same way because we all sort of work in the same space and we're all passionate about the same things. But especially when it comes to how to solve challenges, we may not all be on the same page with that or even sometimes even understanding what's causing a problem. We may not be on the same page with that. So it's always really important when you're wanting to collaborate to get everybody on that sort of same page and get to that why, like why are we trying to do this as a starting point? Because once you have that aligned, it's a lot easier to be able to move forward from there. That's right. And I think it's naive to expect that everything's always going to go smoothly when you're collaborating. And again, it's that having that really big why that is the piece that helps you to move through those difficult times. And it's the piece that encourages everybody to step outside of their comfort zone and try new things and really share power effectively. It's that big why that is there that's bigger than all of the different agendas that can sometimes play a part in collaboration. That's it. And when you really understand that why and you get like what you've got in common up front, sometimes it's easier than to hone in on the stuff you don't have in common rather than starting with the stuff that you don't have in common (laughs) because sometimes it can feel like your adversaries if you start there. So yeah, really good tip there is to start with, yeah, what do we have in common here? What are all the different things that we really want to change and, and what are the goals that we all share and approaches that we have in common first and then working from there? Absolutely. If you're loving what you're hearing on our podcast, you should join us for one of our live events where we cover how you can build a more innovative and impactful organization. We also have our very popular Co-Design for Impact Masterclass where I'll teach you how to run your own co-design projects and how to set them up for success. Spots are limited, so grab your ticket to this and our other events at impactoconsulting.com.au slash events. I think the next thing that's really important and the the, the next step as we go through these five is having those shared measurement systems. So that common agenda is, you know, what are we out to achieve and how are we going to know when we get there? And then those shared measurement systems is the way that everybody knows how you're progressing. Because, you know, when you are working on really complex, large systemic issues, it can feel like it's a really large leap from where you are now to where you want to be. So you want to make sure that you're continually measuring that progress and that everybody's very clear on what the measurements and markers of success that you're working towards so that you can kind of celebrate those small wins along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this one sounds really straightforward, but in practice, this is where organizations can kind of get tripped up a little bit because we often are measuring things due to funding of programs and those sorts of things. And so this is about looking at the bigger picture and going like, well, okay, we all have these like, I guess, operational type things that we need to measure internally. But this is also looking at like, well, what are the markers along the way to solving the problems? Like what are the levers? What are those lead indicators? And then what are some of those end outcomes as well? And how do we sort of monitor all of those together? Because like, you're right, like it, it, it's, it's, this is the sort of thing that's going to help us if I'm going to keep using that analogy before of working together as a, as a ship that's all heading in the right direction. This is kind of our compass, right? helping us understand where we're heading and it's also helping us understand well actually are we on the right track if we're meant to be headed north and we're and we're heading south as a group then uh you know this measurement is what's going to help us turn the ship around and and, and head in the right direction do you like that one trace you're the you're the analogy person usually but i thought i'd have a crack yes i do i like that all right, the third one. So, ah, the third one is all about mutually reinforcing activities. So when we're talking about collective impact, it doesn't mean that all of the different 
um, organisations that are part of that need to do the same thing or work in the same way. In fact, it's actually better if people and the different organisations are, are playing to their strengths. So as long as they're that what they're doing is progressing towards that common agenda and that they've got those shared measurement systems in place, then it's about actually taking on the activities that really play to the individual organisation's strengths from there in terms of, you know, progressing the area that you're working on forward. Yeah. And what you want here is a like an action plan essentially that ties all of the activity together. So that way you have a really clear, I guess, roadmap of where you're heading, who's accountable for what, and when we're expecting for that activity to happen, plus any sort of measurement and outcomes we expect to see from that said activity. And sometimes what you'll see in a collective impact approach is um, a lot of the time is like several different like working groups who um, might consist of people from all different organizations, all playing different roles to like what Tracy said, individuals playing to their strengths, organizations playing to their strengths, those sorts of things. But using this plan as a way to sort of track that activity and and make sure that, you know, what, what, we're, what we're trying to achieve is actually getting done. And this is kind of like one of the focal points of the discussion when we're sort of like regularly talking as a group and sort of working forward. This is sort of the way that we know how we're going in a way. So our, our, the measurement is kind of like the outcomes, but this is like the, well, what what do we need to do to bridge that gap from where we are now to where we want to be and all those activities. And you almost want to sit up like a bit of like an operating rhythm here where you have like you know, different meetings where you like review this, you have like a bit of like some rituals and processes around how this is updated and how people are communicating back from the different groups so that we're all coming from the same page. It's a good segue into number four, which is around maintaining open and continuous communication. So this is what I was sort of referring to before as well, where it's like you want to have what we refer as like an operating rhythm, which is essentially a corporate jargon buzzword. That It's one of the few that I like to use. Often, you know, don't like speaking in another language, but uh, this is a good one. Because what it does, I think, is help us understand that it is a rhythm. It's a structure. It's something that happens regularly. You know, when we have to organize ad hoc things, they often don't happen or they're really inconsistent anything whether you're trying to get healthier by going to the gym a routine and a cons- and being consistent is one of the most important things that we need to do so in terms of working together across all these organizations especially understanding that that, that is quite challenging considering we all have our own pushes and pulls from within our own organization and from clients and just the day-to-day running of our organizations is really important to keep that momentum through having regular meetings and, and making sure that there's ways that we can continuously communicate to sort of link that segue a bit better for you. That is really about, you know, making sure that everyone's still committed to that common agenda, making sure that we are reviewing that action plan and making sure that we're sort of heading in the right direction for our activity. It kind of holds a little bit of accountability as well to make sure that everybody is kind of you know, getting the things done that need to get done. But it also helps us as well that if certain working groups are getting stuck, we can also potentially help people get unstuck, which is really helpful too. That's right. I think that that continuous communication is absolutely key. You know, that's kind of the glue that holds all of the different pieces together and makes sure that that we are progressing and that that people are engaged and that we are 
continuing to drive towards that common agenda. I think otherwise it's very easy for people to move three or four degrees difference. And at the time, if we can kind of come back on track, that's really easy to do. But the further you get along that path, the more challenge it is to bring everyone back together. So that continuous communication really does make all the difference. It is a challenging way of working if you don't do these these five things well. Like I said before, there are a lot of challenges in working across across organizations. If you've done it before, you'll, you'll know. But even if you just imagine what that could look like if you haven't, it's, it's tough. There's a lot of competing priorities and those sorts of things. So these things, they need to be done well. And I totally agree with what you said, Trace. This is definitely also a glue. If you don't have the communication, it's really, really hard to keep the momentum up. And it's really, really hard to keep you working as one team. And that's what is so, so important about a collective impact approach. Finally, number five. Number five is actually about having that backbone support organization because all of the things that we've talked about now all require resource. You know, they require time, they require energy, and there's not really a whole lot of capacity for people to take on extra things, you know, in addition to their day job. So you've really got to have that sort of backbone and that structure supported by resourcing. And so there's got to be that organization in place that's going to, you know, make sure that the measurement systems are working and that there is that measurement, that they're going to provide those forums for the continuous communication that are going to facilitate those conversations, that are going to, you know, do all of the logistics that's required to be able to be really successful with a collective impact approach. And it can be a new organization that you set up. Um, That's the one way we've seen it being done. But it can also just be that one of the organizations takes the lead as the backbone organization and they put the resources within their space and they say, like, we'll sort of manage it and we'll play the role of that backbone organization. There's pros and cons for both, but both of them, we've seen both of them work. And look, I think what's important here is that there is that dedicated resource. So how that works isn't as important as just knowing that there is the dedicated resource that is going to be able to drive the collective impact approach. And the good one is, you know, this isn't glue, this is actually backbone. So this is the support that holds everything else together. Boom. I love it. All right, that's it, guys. Uh, that That is essentially a bit of an introduction to collective impact. We could go down all these rabbit holes and into those five different areas in a bit more detail. Maybe we will in future episodes if this one also gets a lot of listens. But hope you found that useful. We enjoyed talking about it. And thanks so much for uh, all of your support again. We've really thoroughly enjoyed our last uh, 12 months with you all. And we're just loving that every week that, you know, this the podcast just keeps getting more and more people jumping on board and, and having a listen and, and uh, you know, communicating with us as well and, and letting, letting us know what you're getting out of it. it. It means a lot to us. So thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, we'll put the links to the David Pearson and the Australian <laughs> Alliance to End Homelessness episode into the show notes. And we uh, hope to see you on our next episode. Thanks so much, everyone. Speak to you then. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.